0: Everybody, welcome back to the Dunsters' Corner. This is your Eve of All Saints edition, and I am joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Dr. John Miner. Dr. Miner, how's it going these days?
1: You always ask me that, and I really never have anything to say.
0: No, you actually have the greatest things to say. Like, I've heard a lot of people love your comments about sugar snap peas in the last one, you know? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> the, ba- the Bayou Thomas life is really <laughs> lighting people up. I think you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: They like hearing all uh, the the bees and the chickens.
1: Nice, nice. <laughs> Not much else is new. I'm planting spinach, garlic, and lettuce mm-hmm. tomorrow. The squash and the Swiss chard are coming up well. The carrots too. You've you know. done
0: some work in your garden. I've driven by, and you you guys have been adding some things to it. Seems
1: like you've you have to do something during quarantine. You might as well go out to Tractor Supply and denim, buy sixteen foot cattle panels to make arches, and strap them across the bed and over the cab of your truck and drive down I twelve. <laughs> you might as well. Yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do? That's what I did.
0: And then you did add a Halloween addition to your garden. It looks.
1: Oh like. yeah, the kids wanted to decorate more, and in order to frame Halloween. It's tough when you have kids because you want to celebrate especially communal celebrations like Halloween. It's really cool because everyone's out. Everyone's doing stuff. But it's also framed in kind of odd ways for a Catholic because you want to be like, oh, it's it only matters because it's the, the night before All Saints Day, which only goes so far. It's like, why are we all dressing up as skeletons and stuff? And it's like, you know, All Saints Day. Um <laughs> <laughs> stop asking so many questions. This is fun. You get candy. All right. Eat this Snickers bar. But So something we've tried to do is frame it as a memory of death. So it's easy. It's like a, it's like a mini triduum for the kids, right? You remember death and then you remember the saints, which is your goal. And then there's second place, which is all souls. (laughs) But anyway, we,
0: I thought candy was the last one.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, we do let them eat as much candy as they want on all saints and all souls. And then we take everything.
0: That's right. The ho- the candy triduum.
1: That's a candy triduum. You eat as much it. as you want and then it poof, it's gone. <laughs> but we added a full life-size skeleton to our garden. One of our sons built a bench. So we stuck it out there right on this main drive by a school. And, you know, in order to celebrate Halloween, we gave him a Memento Mori sign. So sometimes the kids go out there and they make change them to like pointing at the cars driving by, like, you, you're gonna die. You're <laughs> gonna die. You're gonna die. Sometimes he's waving, you know, like, hey, death over here. No big deal. Come say hi when you want to or not, you know, that kind of thing.
0: That's it. That's the title of our episode this time around. It's You're gonna die. <laughs> oh, cool.
1: <laughs> we should talk before these episodes, I think they'd flow better. <laughs>
0: No, I think it's going mighty fine right now.
1: All right. Well, that's the end of me.
0: Okay, excellent.
1: (laughs) And next up, we also
0: have Avera joining us. How's it going, Avera?
2: I'm still real. I know we talked about it um, before the podcast started, but I managed to forget about the recording of this episode (coughs) twice, all in the span of a... 12 to 14 hour period so I'm just blessed to be here alive you know and like well and still have my sanity so I I, I'm grateful for that
0: (laughs) this is is where you show the skills of a jazz musician you can improvise
2: Ooh, I one of my like secret like fantasies actually is to be in a jazz band. Um, I don't think that I could sing, can sing very well, but I mean, give me a few vocal lessons and just like throw me up there. Like, I think that would be <laughs> so cool. Just like playing in dive bars for maybe 25 people. Um, <laughs> like who couldn't get into the normal bar because it's Mardi Gras. And you know, they're elsewhere. So I think that would be excellent. But we nice. we can't we can't share that even though I just uh, announced that on a on a live podcast It's gonna go everywhere. So
0: yeah, well Catherine can hum for you right now and you can start scat singing.
2: Oh yes. gosh, no <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had Ooh. my vocal lessons yet. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. And I,
2: I guess you you could play the triangle
0: in the jazz band then, you
2: know? I'll do that. See how how well you could improvise. I'd make it look like really unorthodox and just like I've trained my whole life to play this triangle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Awesome. It's sort of like a new kind of jazz, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just pass it off like that.
1: (laughs) The triangle is the jazz equivalent of the cowbell? Is that what we're saying?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Some people are into jazz flute. Some people are into triangle. (laughs) uh i wish people could see the the expressions on your faces whenever we say stuff like catherine is like almost burst out and laughing
3: multiple times <laughs> to quiet anyway. my own laughter <laughs> yeah.
0: but anyway hey catherine you're also joining us i know i'm
3: here <laughs> I, I was thinking
0: how you are one of the few brave souls who actually wears somewhat of a costume to class on halloween
3: I do, I do. I did it last, I don't know if I had class last year actually, but I had class my first year at Franu on Halloween. And I was like, oh yeah. I was used to I went to um LSU for my freshman year and like people dress up at LSU, you know. So I was like, I was expecting the same thing. And then people didn't, and I was just in logic <laughs> with a unicorn horn, just like pointed up. So it was it was good. You know, I'm I'm always one. Oh, I did dress up last year, but people didn't think it was a costume cuz I dressed up as an as an emo Canadian.
0: Oh and no, then... that's the worst when they don't know.
3: <laughs> I was wearing like flannel. I was dressing way more emo. Like, I don't know, I do have a grunge aesthetic. I will I'll I'll admit it, right? But I was I was like red flannel, like ripped skinny jeans, you know, and and I People guess I just like that's
0: Catherine on a good day.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was wearing a backwards hat, and, and one of the other majors was like, <laughs> when I said, "Yeah, I'm dressed up," and they were like, "Oh, oh, I thought you were just wearing wearing your normal clothes." And I said, "Oh, thanks, thanks that that's, <laughs> I'm not self conscious." <laughs> <laughs> but I support I support Halloween costumes. I have I've now acquired the skill of like dressing in semi costumes, the kind of ones where like, if you're not at a costume party, people won't necessarily think you're wearing a costume. But if you are, you just add like one or two things, you're fine. I went to a Mm. trivia night the other night and I didn't know if we were dressing up. So I wore like, I wore like a hippie-ish type shirt and I had a floral, like a flower crown in my car. And I was like, okay, if this is a costume party, I'll go get it. But if it's not. I will just say that this is this is what I wear now. This is the shirt that I chose today.
0: Very versatile,
3: nice. Yeah, it's a good skill to have, right? Always be prepared, <laughs> and
2: Catherine. Following- I will say I'm missing a flower crown. So mm. you stole my flower crown.
3: Mm-hmm. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Promise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have five more. It's fine. <laughs> See, you're always prepared. I you're am. always ready. <laughs> I came strapped. I did.
0: <laughs> now, I, I just have to ask Catherine. Yes. A Canadian emo?
3: Yeah. So here is my logic behind that. Okay. I yeah, was like. Because I it did cross my mind that morning. I was like, people aren't going to realize this is a costume. So what do I have just lying around my room? I have a Canadian flag. Just bring that, you know. Right, the best costumes are the ones that are just a little off the beaten path.
4: Oh, okay, <laughs> got it.
0: So a little fusion going on there.
3: Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> good.
0: Yeah. Do Canadians say emo or e emu? I don't
3: know. Emu. Yeah.
0: You yeah. know, yeah. like a boot. Instead of a
3: boot, they might say emo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. Just random. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I <so> try. <laughs> and by the way, we're also joined by Daniel. Hey Daniel, how's it going? What's up? What's up? Now not did much? you celebrate Halloween as a kid, like costumes and trick-or-treating and all that jazz? I yeah, I did, but like
5: I never looking back on it, I dressed up as things that like I'm just not proud of now. You know, like um uh, like just like scary movie. Like, I'm trying uh, to
1: imagine what you dressed up as. Yeah,
5: so I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this on a
1: podcast. I'm not am um, proud of them now, guys. I'm just not.
5: Yeah, I'm just not. Scary I mean,
1: movie stuff.
5: Yeah, like I don't think like a seven or eight year old should be dressing up as some of the stuff that like I dressed up as. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know because I just don't know if like we should be watching movies that young that you know I was watching. Um, right. Kind uh, of maybe that severed, explains severed
0: limbs and things like that.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I and um, I did dress up like like uh, I dressed up, as did Catherine. I couldn't say like Catherine because I didn't dress up like Catherine. But I did dress up, as did Catherine, when I went to college at uh, Southeastern. Um, as a
3: Canadian school. emo?
5: No, I had dressed up. That, but you know, that was very tempting, I must say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I dressed up as uh, St. Dominic one year. And then the other year, I dressed up as St. Benedict. Hey. And so um, the uh, I made the habit for both of them. And uh, I went to all my classes like that. And that was, that was beautiful. It was so awesome. Like everybody was looking at me they're like, they're like, who are you? I'm like, I'm St. Dominic. I'm the preacher to the Albigensians, you know, founder <laughs> of the Dominican order. Um, You know, to them of-
1: it was like, yeah. I'm from Star Trek from the planet, blah, blah, blah. And goodle, goodle, goodle. <laughs> <moosh> and, <move. laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, that's great. But actually, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah.
5: But, uh, but I mean, that was, it was cool. I mean, especially going in some of my, um, bigger classes, like psychology, you know, with like, you know, 50, 60 people in it. It was, it was really awesome. Um, I had a lot of good conversations that day, but, um, no, other than that, I've just been, I've been enjoying the month of October. Um, when, when Louisiana doesn't get hurricanes in October, the weather's actually fairly nice and you're able to do yard work that you might not want to do for the rest of the year. Um, and so I've been trying to get outside, do some yard work, um, enjoy the weather while it's here. Um, I've been driving, driving with my windows down and that's always a mm. nice thing.
3: Windows down, music up.
5: Windows You gotta down. blast
3: that Gregorian chant. Oh yeah.
5: <laughs> you know it.
3: It's a you lifestyle. It. it really is.
5: Mm-hmm. I'm on that, um uh, that, I'm on that, uh, Angelus, not, well, what's it called? The mass setting, uh, Mass of the Angels. That's what mm. I've been listening to lately. Like yeah.
2: Kyrie.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so good.
2: Yes. Uh,
0: yeah. Some people blast chant with the windows down. Other people hip hop. Other people Enya, you know?
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, who
3: or can you say where the road goes? Rap
2: Gregorian chant. If you've ever heard that, um, I've come across that a few times and had my world rocked. So.
5: Yeah, I've, I've just recently heard about that and it's a genre I need to look into. <laughs> yeah. So life is pretty good. You know, October. Excellent.
0: Well, folks, uh, we are talking about this time around in honor of Halloween, the scary, but not so scary, end of the world. And this topic was brought to us by Catherine. How did you, you know, there was was a bit of a circuitous path by which you, you landed on this topic, Catherine. You want to take us there? Like, how did we get here?
3: There was. So, I emailed, or this was before the email... I was just watching a video, I guess it was a Catholic Answers video about the rapture and what the Protestants think about the rapture versus what we as Catholics believe about the rapture in terms of the end of times. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And then, you know, like I do, I guess it's either every once a year or every couple years, I get this like existential dread of like, ah, oh, the world's going to end at some point. And That's kind of scary. So then I started looking into more, uh, I don't know, more, I I was looking into like stuff about the Antichrist and that kind of stuff, right? Walking down a path where I was like, okay, I just want to know more. Um, And this stuff's scary, but I feel like if put in the right context, it is less scary, right? Especially with a context that like God is all good and has a providential plan and loves Mm -hmm. us. Right, that's the good context for this, but I emailed you, Dr. Pedraza, and I was like, hey, I don't know if this works as a podcast idea. Also, it might not be the best podcast to follow the presidential one, but you know, <laughs> not the president, the, pol- the political one, but yeah,
4: yeah, right, right.
3: you know, it's something. Just We're keeping an apocalyptic it apocalyptic
0: on the Dunces Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great idea, and I think you'd make a great Catholic existentialist philosopher, Catherine. You
3: know? Oh, thanks. I was, I was telling Trey this the other day. I was, um, I was like, Trey, you know, I had an existential crisis in kindergarten. Like, I had that's when I knew I was a philosopher because that was the first time I like I knew the the thought of eternity troubled me as a young child. And I didn't want to tell anyone about that because I didn't want them to be burdened by that thought, and so I kept it in my heart.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, David Bentley Hart has retranslated the New Testament and removed the word eternity.
3: Ah, so you're good. Really, you're I, good. Wish, I wish
1: you're good. It's all covered.
3: <laughs> my kindergarten heart is now <laughs> at peace. <laughs> I just had to read something by him. Now I'm going to read that very differently. <laughs>
0: But anyway, I gave you all some free reign when it came to this topic on the last things on eschatology to bring us wherever it is you wanted to bring us. So it could be a good question you were thinking about or some insight that you had. So I'm totally interested in hearing what you all are bringing to the table. So who wants to go first?
5: Well, I guess I'll go since um, since we've already kind of talked about the topic of hell, and existentialist philosophers. So my topic kind of combines it to a little bit. Uh, and I've told myself I'm going to stop saying, uh, so I need to keep that in mind. I
1: if you slip Pedraza a fiver, he'll edit all those out and make you sound smarter. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you how much I pay him to make me sound smart. It's more <laughs> than five though.
0: <laughs> yeah, professors can't really take money from students, but we could take food. So, you know, Ooh. maybe a Chipotle burrito or something.
2: I will keep that yeah. in mind. So, actually, like, oh. okay.
1: bring you some. Yeah. some so, about stuff. that test, I've got <laughs> you this five <laughs> got a, Chipotle oh, burritos. Got this
3: homework due at 6 p.m. today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How do you feel about
3: carne asada, Slip you a Taco Bell party pack.
4: (laughs) That might do it. That's how I got
3: Christology. That's it. (laughs) Christology. I keep saying Uh, it wrong, but yes, Christology.
0: (laughs) No, I got you, loud and clear. All right, Danny, what do you got for us? So, I have a
5: really bad pet peeve, and. What I see in the culture today um, a lot of times is there's this this idea that hell uh it's not going to be that bad. Hell is not going to be as painful as you know some people portray it to be, and that's not really what what aggravates me when I hear what does aggravate me is when I hear people say oh, my friends are going to be in hell, so therefore hell might not be that bad of a place for me. Or if I go to hell, then at least my friends will be there or at least I'll be around people who think the same thing as me, et cetera. And that is just not the case. And I think one of the things to kind of combat that with is to realize that in hell, there is no love, no love whatsoever. You're completely devoid of the God of love, you know, God's presence is not in hell whatsoever. So there is no charity. There's no friendship between anybody. Um, I think what is more interesting to me about this point is the fact that, you know, you think you're going to see people from this life. um, If God forbid, you know, you go to hell. um, If you see people from this life there, it's going to be even a worse thing for you because perhaps they helped you Get to hell. And if that's the case, you're going to despise them even more because you helped them or they helped you put yourself in that position, in that situation um, to, you know, y'all cooperate together and sin. And because of that, y'all always be reminded about the fact that, you know, the other person contributes to the reason why you're there. Mm. Um, And so I just thought that was like super interesting. That's so contrary to what a lot of people say. You know, they say, oh, my friends are going to be there. Well, yeah, your friends are going to be there from this life, but you're going to hate them. And it's also interesting to uh, to think about, like, you know, a lot of times, too, you know, you think about, you know, you, we might have, like, really good friendships um, or relationships that we think are loving. And um, that, you know, we do things, um, for example, I mean, I'm just going to name it, you know, like premarital sex, you know, you think, Oh, you know, like, you know, I love my boyfriend, I love my girlfriend everything. Well, this could be the exact opposite in hell because, you know, there's going to be no love there whatsoever, Um, not even an appearance of love. And so to kind of connect these two uh, points to um, what we were talking about earlier with existentialism, there's this common uh, phrase from the great existentialist Jean-Paul Sartre, and he says in his play, No Exit, at the very end, it says, hell is other people. And that line is very, like, not not used, right, uh, in the popular culture. You know, people say, oh, hell is other people, and they think, you know, oh, other people are, like, the cause um, of my suffering, because, like, I don't want to be around them, or I'm aggravated by people, whatever. But I think that there is some truth, uh, because I think John paul when he made that statement, he was kind of referring to the look of the other, um, his whole idea of the look of always being viewed, um, from the other. And I think to some extent that's true about how it's going to be in hell that you're always going to look at others and others are always going to look at you and you're always going to feel their judgment, you know? Um, Man, this is a great way to start off the podcast. We're just down the hole <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> talking about hell. But but go big I think or go it's home. So important, yeah. Go big or go home. But I think it's just so important <laughs> to get that misconception out the way because
0: it's dangerous.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, dangerous.
4: Yeah,
0: still... So I'm I'm interested in hearing more uh, about this misconception. Like, who is it that's like saying this sort of a thing? Like, don't tell me who actually says it. But like, what's sort of like the thinking behind it? Are you are you saying it? Is it sort of like a a flippancy? You know, like I don't care about going to hell because at least you know everybody else is doing the same stuff. Will be there with me. Is that right? Behind it, yeah. It's kind of it's like
5: it's like nonchalant. It is what it is. You know, like um type of place that they think like maybe they think hell is just like a party place or something like that. And that's that's not what it is for. You know, that's not what it is.
3: Yeah, Um, it's almost like the stuff that's associated with getting you to hell seems like super pleasurable. So they just think that everything in hell is going to be that kind of super pleasurable stuff. Um, so like sex outside of marriage, like uh, drugs, um, you know, all that kind of stuff that, that would be associated with like, Oh, this thing is going to get me to hell. Then that thing must be in hell also.
0: Yeah. I see. Yeah. So that's interesting because implicit in that sort of flippancy is I think a, a an important and deep misunderstanding of the character of the gospel and of holiness, right? Cause it's it sort of whether subconsciously or unconsciously is basically saying like, Oh, living what you, what you're saying is the right way is not fun. Like this is the good stuff right here, what I'm doing. And if that means hell, then I just get more of this stuff, right? Which is sort of a, a it's a misunderstanding of, the joy of sanctity, you know I mean I mean, look at the saints right I mean you if you want to see people who really have freedom really have joy in life, um I know it's easy for us to say that, right and it, it's hard for someone who might be caught in the things that would lead them to say, you know, make such a statement, but I think that's why it's really insightful what you're saying, Daniel, you know, speaking of our Christology reading for today. And the alienation brought about by sin, you know, you're just bringing it to its conclusion, right? Like, if sin separates me from God, separates me from other people, and separates me from myself, I mean, hell is going to be that brought to its ultimate end. And so, you're not going to be, like, enjoying the presence of other people, right? Like, it's you're going to be wanting to either use them, or because you cannot use them, you will be extremely dissatisfied that you're unable to use them anymore. You know, so it's just an experience of utter alienation.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about what you were saying too, Daniel and Catherine. That was really insightful that you think this this kind of pleasurable good I'm having now, even though it gets me to hell, I'll get more of it there. As if it were to retain its status as a pleasurable good in hell. Um I mean, classically, they're right. There were two pains of hell, one caused by the lack of God. And so the frustration, despair, solitude that comes from that. And then there's what they call the pain of sense, which was even the finite goods that you loved in this world and caused you pleasure because they still retain some kind of amount of good order, right? And some kind of good activity, like even in fornication, right? There's good there. There's some kind of ordered goodness, um, that causes pleasure. Uh, even that will be not taken away, but even that will become so perverted that the the good you, you had sought, in some sense, you might have it in hell, but it will be painful instead, mm. um, because it will have no ordering, further ordering to God, or even potential ordering to any kind of goodness. Uh, and so, even the finite goods that you thought you might find pleasure in there will become pain. I mean, that's the real tragedy of it is it's like, I'm going to give up infinite happiness for this. And then I don't even get this.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you'd you'd think at least I'd get that. Right. You know?
2: (laughs) Wow. Dang.
1: Well,
5: there is mercy with Jesus Christ.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. It just it's so, I don't know if y'all get frustrated. I get frustrated because of just this deep misunderstanding of like God and his mercy and like what sin actually is and what hell is. But I think that that's just on my own front. Like, I don't know. Once you I don't wanna I don't wanna sound like a, a kind of gatekeeping person. It's like once you've, you know, found everything, then like your life is perfect and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's it can be frustrating like being on the other side and being like, like wanting to shake the person and be like, what are you doing? Um, But of course, when we do inform people of like the realities, it does still have to be in a pastoral way. Um, Otherwise, I mean that it may be truth that we're speaking, but that truth may not um, uh, fall onto, I guess, fertile ground. You could say,
1: excuse me, local sinner. There are two (laughs) kinds of suffering in hell. One is the aversion from the infinite good. And the second is the pain of sense. Under the first, there are three points. Are you not <laughs> you convinced?
3: You just got to put that on a sign. Put that on a sign and just stand outside of someone. Excuse stand me, local
1: corner. sinner. That's, <laughs> <laughs> excuse <laughs> me.
2: Sorry. That sounds like such a great name for a mixtape. I'm sorry I had
1: yep, like, I yep, have yep.
2: to put it out there. Like if someone wants It's for
1: to- your jazz band.
2: oh all right see y'all are not doing me any justice by trying to draw this fantasy out of my we're helping
3: you achieve your dream (laughs) (laughs) listen
2: it's starting to seem just more and more clear now so i mean i'll run with it
0: What's interesting is that there's an American revivalist tradition of preaching about hell, right, to sort mm-hmm. of bring people to conversion, but it it just seems like today I I have no idea whether it actually worked back then. I mean, it clearly brought in numbers to some sort of externalized ritual of giving yourself over to God. I mean, whether, you know, the, the heart was there along with the body, I have no idea. But um it's pretty rare today to see someone who is really moved to god by the fear of the pains of hell although not impossible i i will say i knew one guy when i was a campus minister and he was a he was a d1 basketball player tall guy handsome dude and somehow this became the topic of conversation and he was like you know what it actually worked for me like i don't know if it was like his um basketball coach at some point, not at college, not at the college level, but a different level or something. But he said that his coach told him one day, like, if you keep on acting the way that you do, like, you could go to hell. And he said it just kind of like shook him up and got him thinking about things, you know? So, it was like a really strong impetus for him to uh, dig deeper into his faith. But yeah, on the whole, uh, you know, as the psalmist says, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. You know, I think people are usually more shaken up by mercy or some sort of Mm inbreaking of Mm -hmm. love where it's just like, wow, like I live my life alienated from everyone and sort of in this haze. And then that bit of love broke through all of my defenses and somehow hit me in the heart. And it made me realize that there's something real that I'm not tapping into. Ah.
5: Well, I mean, I was just going to say that I don't, I don't think anybody ever converted because they liked the way they were screamed at, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So.
3: Yeah. I feel like fear mongering only gets you, um, people who are doing it out of, I mean, obviously it only gets you people who are doing it out of fear, but when they, uh, when there's an understanding there, um, I don't know. Oh, fear mongering will get you people who kind of get paranoid. Right. Um, right. But yeah, the, I mean, the, the truth and though, I mean, yeah, the, the bad consequences are, are also true, but, um, you know, it's also important to preach the love and the mercy, right? And to not get into that paranoid state, because being in a paranoid state can get you down some weird roads. And if mm-hmm. you'll allow me to segue, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my, <Segway>. uh,
0: <laughs> Segue like a mall cop, go
3: for it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Just like Paul Blart, me on my segue. Um, The topic that I wanted to talk about was was one of the things when I went down my first rabbit hole, I kind of looked into more. Because I didn't want to fall into this paranoid state, but I felt like in order to not fall into a paranoid state, I needed to be informed exactly of what the church taught. And something I remembered hearing about in my childhood, um, not that this was like a huge theme in my childhood, but I just remembered hearing about it and being like, oh, that's weird. Was the Antichrist, um, mm. and so I remember like being a kid and having having relatives talk about it in a, in the very kind of apocalyptic way that you would expect. Um, and when I revisited this recently, I was like, okay, I don't know if this is just a paranoid thing, if this is real, if this is just a weird um, way to interpret revelations. Um, and so when I went back, I actually, uh, looked at a Catholic answers video, you know, as, as all Catholics do. Right. (laughs) But it made a lot of sense, Uh, you know, the distinction between like, there's a lowercase antichrist and a capital A antichrist. Um, and basically it's just anything that is against Christ. Um, so it could be multiple things, uh, but yeah, not, I think the biggest thing was just not letting it become this kind of paranoia, apocalyptic driven, um, not, a, it is apocalyptic in some sense, um, but not letting it become this, uh, paranoid driven, like, I have to fear the Antichrist. Cause I think nowadays you'll hear people will use this, use this to fear monger and say, like, this person, this group, this thing is the Antichrist. Um, which is a big word and a big claim. And it's not that those things can't be that. Um, but I think it just has to be, we have to use our words very carefully and truthfully consider like, okay, is this actually this, um, not that we shouldn't label things, right. This is against Christ. Um, but just being like careful with that, but even, you know, that being said, right. God is better, bigger, God is bigger, than the Antichrist, uh, all of them, right. Even, uh, traditionally held like the final one, the capital A Antichrist, um, which is very interesting. I want to hear Dr. Minard and Dr. Perraza's take on that, the capital A Antichrist. Cause I mean, traditionally it's held that there's going to be this big final one that, uh, society is going to get like slapped by. And then we're all going to be like, ah, um, yeah. And that'll come at the end of times. So I, I, yeah, very apocalyptic. I am interested. Y'all's, you know, PhD, your doctor brains on that. I want to hear, <laughs> I want to know. Big brain,
0: big brain. <laughs> this this big PhD doctor brain immediately thought of VeggieTales when you said God is bigger.
3: I was <laughs> God like, well, is big- the boogeyman. <laughs> thought, I was I was thinking about that before the podcast. I was like, oh, I need to write that. But I only wrote God is bigger. I didn't finish it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all I got. So, uh, so there.
3: Great insight.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've never really studied the Antichrist in any depth. But I was thinking while you were saying this of two things. One, that I think labeling any particular person the Antichrist is probably to label someone who's on your team in some sense against the antichrist. Um, uh, So that's who is also a victim in some sense, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but also that I should change my sign from, excuse me, local sinner to I am the antichrist in some sense. I mean, if it's synonymous with sin and with anything that opposes Mm. Christ. So a self accusation is probably where you should start. Mm. I mean, maybe not the capital A, but you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah,
3: that's an interesting point. Realizing in your own self the ways in which you are against Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: We'd probably do do well to have our New Testament uh, teacher, Dr. Blanchard, here with us. But I'm I'm sort of shooting from the hip about this sort of a thing. But in from my memory, the word Antichrist really only shows up in the letters of John. Yeah. And it's often used in conjunction with other biblical passages that people kind of smoosh together Mm
3: -hmm. to say
0: like, oh, there's going to be, at the end of time, some sort of like world-dominating figure who's going to dupe everyone, and that's the person called the Antichrist with a capital A. But I'm pretty sure those passages actually don't use that Mm -hmm. to refer to that figure. Like, if I'm remembering correctly, in the letters of John Antichrist – John even says there are multiple Antichrists yeah. at that time that he was writing the letter. And they That's right, yeah. Deny, they denied the presence of Christ in the flesh. So, there was something about the denial of the Incarnation that was associated with being an anti-christ. And some scholars think it has to do with Gnosticism, maybe. Maybe there was some mm-hmm. sort of Gnostic sect that was sort of denying that God could take on our flesh. Um but that's neither here nor there in the sense of what you're asking, Catherine, because <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't take away the fact that there are still passages that refer to some figure, you know, supposedly in the end times. Who- I
1: think it's like Second Thessalonians or something like that. There's a ref- is
0: in one of the letters.
1: Referring to like a one person. But generally it is like a, a lot of forces coming together.
3: Yeah. I mean, when, uh, when I was looking it up, it's generally traditionally thought of as something, the Antichrist capital A is linked to something that is going to push this narrative that we can achieve a perfect society without God. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of traditional thought, um, behind it, but yeah. I mean, I think that is that is a dangerous thought to have, that we can have a perfect society outside of God. Uh, so that is definitely something that we should be aware of and, and pushing against. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah. It's interesting in,
0: in terms of, say, Paul or the Pauline community writing about this figure in the midst of the Roman Empire, in which that empire was sort of considered to be the world, like the world dominator. And in fact, the the Mm. Caesar was sort of like the figure who had power and control over this entire world. So it's it's easy to see how that would be part of the apocalyptic imagination. So if you are going to be thinking about what it means for there to be a figure who's going to oppose Christ, oppose the communion that is his body, of believers, then imagining it, um, and I don't mean that in a fake way, but just using your imagination to think of what that figure would be like, it, it sure seems to make sense that it could have this political overtone as this um, other body, uh, uh, you know, an anti-communion sort of mm-hmm. communion that would be against the genuine communion of Christian believers.
3: I...
2: One of the things that I have been kind of pondering and meditating on, and this would probably horrify many of the people that I associate with or like friends with, or even, you know, like family, they would probably check me into the asylum as soon as I said this, but, um, I've just kind of been looking at either just the way that the world is or the situations I find myself in, or, you know, just the, the climate of today is I, I'm not at all afraid anymore. I think to die young specifically. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm 24 years old and uh, I, I used to be so afraid of dying. Like I used to be just so afraid and, and granted that's warranted, you know, but I would literally have like freak out moments where I would just be like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Granted. Did I have anything in that moment to make me think that I was going to die? No. Um, I was just panicking about it because that's what I decided to do at nine years old. Um on just say a random Tuesday, you know it's just that's kind of the things that happened to me um but i i uh, I was looking through on on Facebook and I just happened to stumble across this article of these young people who are on the road to canonization um and I was looking through to see it was right after Carlo aatus his, uh, beatification. Um, and there were this, this whole list of young people. And I found out that there was actually an, a separate one. There was another one, um, filled with more names of like more people, but let me just read you the ages of these kids. And some of these, I mean, died years ago, but what the guy that I'm looking at right now, Mateo Farina died in 2009 or at the age of 18 um and there's like 22 18 10 17 26 14 21 13 7 19 28 you know just they're they were so young and i imagine a lot of them weren't afraid to die and i think a lot of that just came from or or was born out of this desire for intimacy with god um and that's, you know, essentially what death is, you know, for us. It's this, this passageway for us to be, um, should we accept that gift of, of our redemption, right? Because again, like, that's what hell is, it's like, I once heard it said that God doesn't damn people to hell, people damn themselves, you know, hell is a choice. And it's one that we don't have to make, you know, it's not that, God is literally picking people out and saying, you're going, you're going, you're going like, he's not that kind of God. He wouldn't do something like that. You know, a God that is all loving, um, wouldn't do that. Now, does he know because he's all knowing who's going and who's not, of course he does. Um, but that's not him handpicking it. That's him knowing full well, who's going to make what decision um because he's not restricted by time or by place or space or anything like that um and i'm not calling myself a saint by any means but i'm just at this point in my life where i'm just really ready to be one um like i'm just i want to be a saint so bad and mm. again like i'm not wishing that a riot breaks out in the street and I just go out with my Our Lady of Chestahova painting and get shot in the back, you know, <laughs> like I'm not necessarily hoping that that happens, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I just, I'm, I feel more ready and I feel more at peace with death in general now. Um, and I think a lot of that is just like, I just want to be with God. Um, and I just, I don't want to suffer anymore. I don't want to, um, do anything. Cause knowing me, I tend to have this habit of just like trying to do things on my own, you know, and that's oftentimes where, where sin comes in is that's literally the first sin was God trying to give us something. And instead we try to take it for ourselves. You know, I just want to be gifted with his presence every moment for eternity. Um, and I wonder, and I guess my, my kind of question is geared towards, you know, how do we not only on a personal level, but I think just as a society in general, what's it going to take for us to not fear dying, you know, and to not fear and and not just to say like dying as in like martyrdom, you know, but just like the fear of like, nobody wants to get in a car accident, but of course it can happen. You know, no one wants to get cancer, but of course it can happen. You know, so how how do we as a society get to a place where, again, like memento mori, we are going to die. Like there's no, no one in history has ever, aside from the Virgin Mary, depending on who you ask, because she didn't have to suffer that. Um, but no, really no one has avoided it. No one can avoid this reality of life that we are all going to die. So how do we look at that as something that's not terrifying or it can be sad, but it's something that's beautiful. And it's something that maybe we don't necessarily go looking for, but something that we embrace and we welcome um, as a, as a vehicle to being in complete and total union with God one day.
0: Yeah, th- next semester when you take Christian spirituality with Dr. Minor, you and Ignatius of Antioch are going to be friends.
2: Oh, I'm excited about that. I love him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good, Avera. It's actually related to the the question that I was going to bring to the table, too, so I'll even just throw it in here. Should we be scared of <laughs> our death? Yeah. And, um... Yeah, when you were talking about Blessed Carlo, I remember something that Dr. Minert had said about it like there's a blessed in Nike's in a trash jacket, <laughs> you know? Like it just and when you see the picture, it really just hits you like yeah. What why am I wasting my time? Let's go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like
2: I literally like at his beatification, I think I uh uh Michael, who's one of the deacon candidates at U this year. I think I I called him and was like, I'm mad. And he was like, why? No, I was in his office. I was like, I'm mad. And I just showed him like the pictures of blessed Carlo. And I was like, why am I not striving for sanctity more? Like this kid was 15 years old and his parents didn't even teach him who Jesus was. Like I think his parents were like atheists or agnostic or something like that. Like it, it was kind of a toss up where he found out who Jesus was. You know, like I've gone through Catholic school for the majority of my life, learning about the faith, being brought up in the faith in one way or another. Like, why am I not there yet? And we just like went on this whole rampage of why we're not saints. so getting, getting our, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and just being like, we're going to be saints, <laughs> you know, we're going to do it. But it literally, it, it provokes something in me to see someone so young and then two like seemingly so normal. Like he's a 15 year old Mm -hmm. boy. Like, think about it. His PlayStation controllers are second class relics.
1: I'm going to get one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Are
2: you kidding me right now? Like.
1: Yeah. Avera, I'm
5: glad that you mentioned all this because you know, I've been saying something along the those same lines for a while now. And every time I make a, I make a comment like that, I have to clarify so that people don't think I'm crazy. Yes. And uh <laughs> and I, I do agree, a, a large part of it is because of the intimacy. Um but I think some other reasons, maybe they're not necessarily as virtuous. I think some of the reasons I kind of think along those same lines is one, I'm like really tired already. <laughs> You know, I'm only 21, but like, I, I see the cross ahead. You know, and I see how much of a battle it is, and that's a long, heavy cross. You know, it's it's a long battle, um, and there's a part of me that looks at it and perhaps instead of embracing it, I just get maybe a little bit slothful over it. You know, so I think there there are some bad motivations to that as well. Um, but I think the other part of that same point would be the fact that um would be the fact that maybe I'm just scared. Maybe I'm scared of falling in a sin. You know, maybe maybe I want to die sooner um in hopes that I'm in sanctifying grace rather than live sixty years and have to, you know, present in my judgment all those sins for those next sixty years. You know, um And so, yeah, there's some mixed motivations for that, but I do know that, um, that there are three ways that we can die. You know, I think, I think the first is just saying, no, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to die, you know? And I think that's what a large portion of people, you know, believe, um, like they, they try to run away from it. I think the other thing is, or another way to look at it is that some people say, well, I guess I have to. You know, and, and you see this uh, a lot of times among those who are, who are um, elderly. You know, they say, "Well, I, I guess I have no choice." You know, I'm going to anyway. Just counting down the days, type of thing. Um, and then the third way would be to look at it as yes, <laughs> you know, yes, we're going to die, uh, but we have we have hope. We have that that Christian hope. You know, mm-hmm. that if we embrace the cross that um, that God's given us. Um, that and we we bear it well, we bear our sufferings well, that we can go where our leader where the forerunner Jesus Christ, where he went, you know that we can have hope that through our crosses we can be resurrected as well, so i don 't think there's anything bad about you know wanting to um to be taken by the Lord, you know a little bit early um I do think it needs to be mortified a little bit um but you know you kind of you kind of see the progression. Um, about this in the the lives of the saints. You know, I think they progress and say, yeah, you know, I do want to pass on. And sometimes they are taking, you know, it's was taken at 24, I believe um, Faustina at 33. But then after that, they kind of, they kind of get into this mindset of, you know, no, I'm going to stay here. I want to stay here for as long as I can, because the longer that I stay here, the more penance I can do for sinners. The more graces, you know, um, I, I can win for others type of, type of thing. And um, and they want to make atonement for for the sins of the world, you know, while they're still here in the world. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, perhaps that's why you see some saints who die young and some saints who die at 80, 90, you know. Um, you just don't know. And that's not necessarily our, you know, that's not in our hand. That's in God's hand, you know. So there's a lot to say on that topic. But, yeah, thank you for yeah. bringing that up.
0: No, I, I think that's well said, Daniel. But I, I, the secret to Blessed Carlo or is it um Blessed Chiara Badano's mm-hmm. feast day today? But the sort of secret um to them I think really lies in in that transition that you mentioned, Daniel, where there's a shift between um Dying right now for Christ to what does it mean to die in smaller little ways right now you know so mm-hmm. when I was an uh, an undergrad, I remember I went with an organization of missionaries that I was associated with um some of them involved a family missions company, which is in the state. yes and we we went to an international missions conference I want to say it was in Chicago so It was massive. I mean, a a massive ballroom filled with missionaries from around the world. And they all had different takes on what it meant to do mission work. Uh, Unfortunately, there was, you know, a good number of people who weren't just about the church's mission of inculturating the gospel, but there was sort of like a syncretism, like a, a bad, you know, version of syncretism that was present, I think. it in a lot of that conference, but not all of it. But I remember going to the quote-unquote youth session, right? Because I was a wee undergrad, and we I, I was probably a punk at the time as well, and probably a little too, you know, cocky in my own understanding of the faith. And myself and some others from our group were getting into some debates with some of the other youth who were there. And I remember after one of those sessions, sort of the, the missionary who was leading the discussion, I think he was a Mary Knoll missionary, sort of took us aside and he said something to the effect of, I remember I was once like you when I was young, like all zeal and ready to bring the gospel to the ends of the world, ready to die for the faith. He's like, one day you get older, it's going to change. Yeah. You know, and that, that kind of like stuck with me uh, first because at the time I was like, oh, what a punk thing to say. Who, <laughs> got a lot of zeal.
3: Um, Invalidate my zeal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: but he was probably also checking a lot of pride that was important to happen there. Mm. I will say he, he was only partially correct. I, it's not that the zeal goes away for death, but that a transition happens, as you said, Daniel. It's not that I, you know, want to die as a martyr, per se, especially the more my life has become entangled in relationships, like with my wife and with my children and with my students and a lot of other people, that now I realize that the death that God is has put before me is in the very little things of my life. You know, it's when I love teaching, but I hate grading, and yet... I have to grade it's part of my job, and so there's an aspect of you know dying a little bit in doing that or filling out spreadsheets or mm-hmm. you know whatever it may be and this is sort of the one of the many great teachings of our doctor of the church Saint therese that there's a way of dying in the little things of life um, that can actually bear great fruit fruit for our lord's church and for the kingdom and You know, if I stop me if I've told this story before, but when I was a campus minister, I went on this men's day of reflection with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal up in the New York City area. And I was in this small group, and this guy next to me, this is not too long after 9-11 happened, and Mm. this guy in the small group next to me was, you know, this is near the city. So these people were really, really impacted by the event. And he was describing just all of the fire stations that had turned into memorials and shrines to the, you know, fallen firefighters and things like that. And he said that he went to this, um, event for some fallen firefighters and the wife of one of them got up to the stage and she said something to the effect of, a lot of you think that my husband died that day. He died each and every day for me and for my children. You know, when the guy said it, like I just got like goosebumps listening to him talk, you know, and I was just like, man like i I hope my wife can say that about me someday, you know, like that I really died for her and for our kids, and so I all that to say that that sort of zeal that I think is really beautiful that you're expressing vera it, it, I think it can stay, you know, and that really has a place. Even though it will sort of change depending on your life circumstances and the the sort of things that God calls you to do. But there is something really beautiful about that. So thanks for expressing it.
1: I saw this thing on Twitter once. Um.
2: (laughs) The start of every good story. I know.
0: Was it a dumpster that was on fire?
2: fire
1: yeah no in the dumpster that was on fire there was a something funny yeah Um, (laughs) it was somebody i can't remember who it was posted i don't think these forms these psychological evaluation forms were made for catholics because it asks if i ever wish for death and i'm like well yeah
2: Ooh. That's beautiful. I honestly.
1: think I'm supposed to, aren't
2: I? <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: you look at the lives of a lot of saints, you are know, like, man, they did some weird stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not be sane today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I guess one way we could maybe kind of segue to the end is um, what can we take away from you know the the lives or even just the deaths of some of the saints you know like uh, a lot of people will say things like um you know Catholics do all these weird like things like uh, I remember telling one of my friends uh, about I forget where it is I believe it's in Rome there's a church made entirely of of bone Mm -hmm. right is that in Rome
1: I've seen pictures. I think it's a Carthusian monastery or a Cistercian monastery I or something that. like that.
2: Yeah. yeah. I can't it's like
1: all the, the dead that. monks. They were like, perfect. Mm-hmm. We've got some raw material here yeah. to build a church.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, like somebody, I feel like from the outside of the church looking in would be that is so morbid or just gross or grotesque. Um, but it, from a, from a Catholic perspective, you know, like we know that, these are people who are far more alive than we are you know so i i wonder what what the joy of the saints not only on earth but now in heaven you know can can give to us as a gift to the people who are still fighting um you know cuz i think like especially now you know and that's been something that i've looked very intently at with, you know, the, the upcoming election or just like, you know, being, like I said on the podcast last time, just being black in America is hard right now, you know, where I could, you know, I talk about, you know, like I would, wouldn't, I would welcome death, but I mean, like part of me thinks that because it's sadly it's quite evident For me, you know, like it's it's a thing where I could be walking down the street with my hood up because it's raining, and then you know somebody just crosses me, gets scared for whatever reason, and I'm dead. You know, like that. That's it. You know, and it's it's a sad fact of reality, but it's an evident one. Um, But again, like that with even with the culture or whatever the culture comes to or whatever time um, brings us to I'm completely enamored with the lives and the deaths of the saints because it just points to something where it points to something so much more beautiful you know I we were talking earlier just about um, you know fear-mongering doesn't really help people one of my favorite people On the face of planet is a a priest jesuit priest by the name of father nathan sparks um he's one of my favorite people on the planet and i was asking him one time i was in conversation with him i think and i was like father like what's going to draw people to the church like what's going to draw people to jesus at this time and place and his answer was very simple he said it's beauty's turn You know, like it is it is beauty here and now that is going to draw people to the faith. Um, I think ultimately, like it's it's the beauty of something like understanding what the Song of Songs is saying that brought so many of the saints to their knees or helped bring about the conversion of some of the saints while we were, they were reading the lives of the saints or like seeing a really beautiful painting i know uh father henry Nowen talked about seeing the return of the prodigal son by rembrandt um that just really brought on this just really powerful um turning point in his life um and i think just that that the lives and the deaths of the saints are so beautiful and i wonder maybe what all of you are thinking that they're offering us here and now um while we're still fighting and we're still kind of we're pondering death and we're wondering when it's going to come and we're thinking about memento mori and those kind of kinds of things like what's what's our hope specifically coming from those who have lived and died before us
4: i
1: i've got something So this, that might be, I think that's, let me see if I can tie this in well to what I was thinking about offering, which is like a weird, this is how moral theologian brains work. They were like, oh, Halloween. And I was like, you know, I wonder why Aquinas says endurance is the principal act of fortitude.
2: Mm. And
1: and somehow that all ties together.
2: (laughs) Beautiful. I can't wait for class next semester. (laughs)
1: <laughs> You'll be just as confused as everyone else, um, including me. But I did wonder this. It was like two weeks ago or last week. Did we do Fortitude? It Catherine, was this week. It was this, it was week. this yeah. week. Yeah. And I was reading Peeper again in preparation. And he says. And I thought his answer was wrong. And that's what made me think about it. And Halloween. I'm going to get back to Halloween and the saints. Maybe. Um. But he says, basically, fortitude, right, if you ask Aquinas, what are the two main integral parts of fortitude, they are attack and endurance, right? Attack to overcome the evil, or if you can't overcome it or it's not reasonable to, you endure it. And endurance is the principal act of fortitude, not attack, right? And Peeper's like, yeah, that's kind of weird because, you know, you generally think people who attack and like overcome and die are the really brave ones. But it's, in fact, the people who endure the evil that are the brave ones. Or it's that you more see the bravery in the endurance than in the attack. And he thinks it's that way because um, it's not really that uh, endurance is primary, but it's in endurance that you more see the person's bravery rather than in their attack. And I think that's right, but it's only incompletely right that you do see it in endurance more, but that's to kind of take away endurance's primacy. Um, it's like just primary in the in the um, seeing of someone's bravery, but not in the fact that it is really primary to endure. And so, I was thinking about that. Why would endurance be primary in our relation to evil. And I thought, well, that's because our attack in some sense is never going to overcome all of the evil in this world. Right? So we're never by us doing X, Y, or Z, even though we should do X, Y, or Z are ever going to overcome all of the evil and the ultimate evil, which is death. Uh, we're never going to come overcome that by all our activity, by our actions, by things like that. And that's why endurance is primary in some sense. Um, so, you, it's not just that we see someone's bravery um, more in, in the endurance, but that it's primary because in some sense, life in this world, you're never going to be able to overcome all of the evil and you will have to endure many things. Mm. And that's why the virtue of patience is so important because it helps us with equanimity to endure all of the evils that we either cannot overcome right now or ever, or ever, Right and then i was like well that's interesting cuz in some sense like baptism transforms our fortitude and our endurance and it makes it easier to endure right just like for just like baptism transforms death and it transforms suffering it transforms the virtues by which we deal with death and suffering and so our fortitude becomes infused right this is aquinas's language um it becomes infused and in some sense it becomes easier to endure because we have the hope of Christ, right? That, right. hes I don't remember where he says it in the gospels, but he says like, be not afraid for I have already overcome the world.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And so honestly, I find it much easier to endure evil um knowing that. And I think without, without that kind of faith and hope, we could falsely put most of the emphasis and bravery on attack rather than endurance uh, because we would make ourselves the primary agents of redemption where we're not. Um, I also think it does interesting things for penance and in what we see this, we see this in the life of the saints, one in penance, because we, we often think about penance as the voluntary things I undertake to kind of train myself in virtue, which is super great and true. But that's to make attack in some sense primary. So, penance is more my ability to endure with equanimity all the evil things that befall me in this life. Right? That's like the primary sense of it. Um, If you think about it in terms of fortitude and not in terms of the virtue of penance. Okay, it all gets messy. But um, that in some sense, it's way more important or it's way more central for my bravery for me to endure all of the evil things in this world with equanimity and with hope in Christ than it is for me to visit myself with all kinds of cool penances. Like I walked up my, you know, I I walked in the chicken run without my shoes on and got chicken poop on my feet, but I prayed while I was doing it. I don't know, whatever, you know, (laughs) people do weird penances. Like (laughs) I walked up this, thing on my knees and stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which are all great and good, but, you know, I wouldn't say they're primary. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is what I thought this was what made me think of it again, Avera, was your question, like, what do we see in the lives of the saints? And I I thought we, we see patient endurance of evil with hope in Christ.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Ultimately, that's what we see in the lives of the saints is that undying hope that Christ has overcome the world and then their patient endurance of whatever evils they cannot overcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like that. Yeah. That joyful patient endurance is in some sense, so central to all of the saints um, in the way they approach, not only the evils of this world, but also their own deaths. See, I came back. Oh, that's good.
2: You did.
3: That that's was more. Beautiful...
1: That's moral theologian brain.
3: <laughs> I, I like moral theologian brain. When you were, I did this again when you were explaining it today. But even when you were doing it in in class on Monday, when you were explaining the two primary uh, acts of the fortitude, integral parts, integral parts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> integral parts. <laughs> that's right. Um, but of fortitude, endurance, and attack. I, my brain immediately went went to Pokemon and you know how you have the four like attack moves. I was like, Oh yeah. It's like that. But besides that, I mean, yeah, I definitely mourn over the fact that we can't overcome evil on our own. I think it's worth mourning over, but, uh, yeah, that patient endurance and hope in Christ, like Mourning, mourning the fact that we can't overcome evil on our own, and then joyously rejoicing over the fact that Jesus can,
4: yeah, um, yeah and yeah, that we can attach
3: ourselves to Jesus.
0: Which, which, by the way, is part of the reason why Christians would want the coming of Jesus. And would pray yes. for it historically. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it, it dovetails nicely with the thing that I was thinking about in terms of, um, you know, just the basic question, should a Christian fear death? Mm-hmm. Should a Christian fear judgment? And with some nuance, you would say something like, or you could say something like, it's natural to fear your demise, right? Like you, you sort of want to continue in your life. And so there's an aspect of death that I think we would all naturally fear. And probably depending on your level of sanctity, you would fear judgment accordingly. And even, you know, even if, you know, someone who was quite holy, nevertheless, your past sins certainly come into play in terms of judgment as well. And so I, I suppose there's a, a healthy amount of fear that could come into play for that. But I was actually thinking about, um, Sort of like jokes that I've made during this past year. Not only with the pandemic, which has been bad enough. I mean, here we are zooming um, when we could be together in each other's presence, and that just stinks, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and you just like totally zoomed out. Like I, I'm over yeah. this, you know. And
2: it makes me sad that, yeah. like, I I've never met any of my teachers in person yet. Uh, yeah. And I have b- barely met, you know, Catherine and, and Daniel. Yeah, like, oh, we oh, went oh, go get sushi that one
3: time. Yeah, it was yeah, fantastic. It <laughs> was
2: super fun. Uh, it just like, even having to do so with a mask on and feeling guilty about like, wanting to like, give you a hug or something like that. Yeah. Was, like, like, right. I'm like over it. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's awful. It's awful. And it, it it's contrary to our nature as social too, you know, like there's there's a lot that we're mm-hmm. enduring here. Um But then I was also thinking about my own suffering, having gone through, you know, this major neck injury and the sort of things that that has done to my life and my family's life. And then on top of that, thinking about all of the people that I've heard who are going through things that are far worse than what I'm enduring, um, even though I don't like what I'm going through. You know, like there are people associated with my undergrad experience where The husbands and fathers have discovered that they have some sort of terminal brain cancer. And I'm just like thinking, man, like just the impact of what that would be like, knowing that you were going to die and that your wife and your children are going to be without you. And just all this stuff. And I I think I was talking to Father Andrew Merrick one day, and I was just like, hey, you know, like, if Jesus wanted to come back right now, like... (laughs) I'm okay with that. You know, like, Like, as long as as me and my loved ones are in a state of grace, like, bring it on, you know, it sounds great right now, you know, just kind of messing around and joking and saying that sort of a thing. But it actually made me think that there's a real important precedent of suffering. Those who suffer are the ones who really want Christ to come. And I, I was thinking of the book of Revelation, actually in which John is writing to a persecuted church or churches, if you will, and in which he's really trying to encourage them during this time in which the Roman Empire was doing massive persecutions. I mean, things like burning Christians at the stake to light the emperor's gardens, you know? Like, that's just grotesque, you know? Like, intense amounts of evil that were going on. And John says that it was the martyrs who defeated Satan by their testimony, or in Greek, the the word is related to being a martyr. So in other words, it was only by going to their deaths that they really conquered Satan. But the end of that book, the, the end of Revelation, is this vision of the heavenly Jerusalem. And John writes, the spirit and the bride say, come. And then close to the the last verse of the book of Revelation, the last verse of the Bible is, come Lord Jesus. You know, like, why is it that the the suffering people, the suffering church are the ones who are like, Jesus, come now. I, I was sort of reflecting on this and thinking, okay, obviously for myself, there is, I want to end the suffering. Okay, so, Heaven is a place where there's no more tears, no more suffering, that sort of a thing. So, of course, uh, you know, I want Jesus to come and end that sort of a thing. But that's on my side, you know? Like, I get that. On the side of Jesus, I think there's another reason why Christians should be calling for and looking forward to their judgment. And not just their judgment, but really his second coming. It's because that's when he's going to be glorified. Like, he's going to be all in all. Like, he... He will sum up everything, drawing it to himself with him as the head and everything else as the body. And that is the consummation of creation. I mean, that's what God has willed is going to happen. And why would I not want what God wants, you know, like what God has chosen? And it's, that's way more important than my own, you know, desires and my own happiness, even though God is so loving that He's decided that my own desires and happiness can be a part of that, which is crazy, you know, that He would even consider me in that. And so, yeah, I don't know. There's something about this vision of of Christ coming back and and the reason why Christians should hope for that, because we love God above all else. We want what He wants above all else, and that's when He's going to be all in all. Like, that's the that's consummation of everything. And where the saints fit into that is, John says, you know, not only are they a great example, but John tells us that they are actually praying for us right now, like we who are on the way and going through our sufferings. So, they're actually interceding, and their merits in Christ are what are helping to draw you and me there. So, the saints actually have a, a participation in that, which is just, you know, it's a really beautiful thing, and Oh, it's been filling my mind lately as we were approaching this podcast.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah, that sense of fear we have of Christ coming, or a lot of people fear it, but you're saying we should desire it. I mean, in that last word of the Bible, Maranatha, <clears throat> this is one of the things I remember Father Rock teaching me, um, is it can actually be uh, separated two ways, which one of which means, Come, Lord, like get over here quick, everything sucks. And the other is, the Lord comes like now he comes. So it it has encapsulates in it like that, that sense of Christian eschatology that it's an already, but a not yet. And it just made me think about the end times and like judgment and Christ coming. And in some sense, we have little judgments and little end times at every Eucharist, right? In every Eucharist, I meet the Lord who judges me in some wow. sense by uniting himself to me. And it's like a little eschaton. It's a little parousia. And that's super cool. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that in um, Ecclesia de Eucharistia, John Paul II meditates upon that moment when the priest holds up our Lord in the Eucharist and we acclaim when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death until you come in glory and how it unites past, present, and future. Like where there is the passion or the effects of the passion being present amongst us right now and we're looking ahead for his second coming like in this moment so like every you know the next time you're at mass and the priest is holding up the eucharist you can think right there come lord jesus and of your your judgment
2: i mean i know i have to do homework but i the only thing i want to do right now is go to mass honestly um (laughs) (laughs) like after that like oh my goodness (laughs) wow (laughs)
0: Of Avera having to do homework, we better transition to our game.
1: Oh, yeah, we gotta what? play a game.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We gotta games. games.
1: So, this
0: is pseudo family feud style. So, I'm gonna put Dr. Miner and Avera on a team, and then okay. Daniel and Catherine on uh, a yeah. Minecrafting team. Whoa. Whoa.
3: <laughs> so Minecraft masters. <laughs> so now.
0: No cheating.
1: I I think we already won (laughs) for being cooler.
3: Oh, okay. Okay. You will be (laughs) judged. Sorry.
0: All right. No cheating and no looking anything up. But the folks at 538, which used to be like the Moneyball sports statistics folks, and now they do statistics on everything, they have made statistics on people's favorite Halloween. Candies. They have an, an ultimate power ranking of the best Halloween candy, as they surveyed eight thousand three hundred and seventy one people, and bad. people had yeah, not bad, <laughs> not bad, right? That's better than what Family Feud. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so you you get points if you can hit one of the candies in the top twenty. Okay, Ooh. so I, I want you to try and figure out what what candies are going to be in the top twenty. So, Dr. Minert and Avera, y'all get to go first. What do you think?
1: What do you think, Avera?
2: Ooh, all I know is that if, if Candy Corn is in the top 20, it's a lie. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, that's right. It is a lie from the evil one. He's trying to get into not only our church, but our candy selections and
1: I won't stand for it. <laughs>
2: the
1: church was one thing. Yeah. Stay out of my candy.
2: Stay out of my candy.
0: <laughs> Hating on candy corn is so in right now. Yeah. I idea why. There's
2: I a told you
1: we were cooler that. than the other team. I already told you that.
2: There is a reason for that. It is disgusting. Um I I'm trying to think of what I I see the most often. Um I definitely see Kit Kats a lot.
1: That's true.
2: Um, we didn't pick it
1: yet, Daniel. See, you're, he's he's telling us what he thinks. This yeah. <laughs> so get, work on your poker what, what face. Are,
2: what are you thinking, Doctor? I don't know.
1: I'm trying to remember when I was a kid and my own kids sorting their candy and what they're really excited to see and what right. they're not. They're certainly not excited to see, like, the Smarties or the Sweet Tarts. Oh, I love them. Okay. I mean, those are good. They may be top 20, but they're not top.
2: Right. probably something chocolatey. Yes.
1: Maybe something – Hmm. Do you think it's a candy bar or something? I don't know.
2: I feel either that or, like, something crazy, ridiculous, like – What's what's clearly, the clearly we're gonna have to put has... time limits on
0: this. I I like, what the
2: candy we... with? Uh, they have the really good advertisements, but I still hate. It's what is it? The little cut the Reese's Reese's, Reese's is, I was thinking
1: maybe Reese's. <laughs>
2: Look, you got fifteen seconds.
1: <laughs> you want to try Reese's?
2: Be, let's try Reese's. Actually. All
1: right, locked in. Okay, locked
0: in on 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 a Reese's Buttercup.
2: Yes.
1: Peanut butter cup. Peanut butter cup. The ones they do only in butter aren't very good.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: you have picked the number one candy. No. No.
1: Nicely
4: done.
0: Nicely done. Number one. We win. <laughs> <laughs> we win. <laughs> all right. All right. We still. We still got some more. We got some chances here. Okay. So, Catherine and Daniel, you are up. And I will let you have as much time as they had, which was a lot this time, but then we're narrowing it down to like a minute.
3: Well, we don't need that much time because we are we are capable of just spitting these out. Hey Daniel, you can you can agree or disagree. I think Snickers is up there. It's up there. Do you think yeah. it's high up there? Well, now that we've said it out loud. <laughs>
5: I, I do not think Snickers is as high as Kit Kats are.
3: Okay, I'm I'm fine with either one.
5: Yeah, I was gonna, and you know, like the two. Of the course, two we candies. were both
3: gonna say Reese's. But oh, absolutely. This, <laughs> this is this is the evil that I have to endure, and it's okay. Yeah. Right
5: <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. We will practice virtue here. Yeah, you know? and um, I yeah, will. So complain. I, <laughs> I want to say Kit Kat.
3: Let's go, Kit Kat. Let's, I trust you.
5: Okay, we probably shouldn't, but. <laughs> Survey <laughs> says.
0: Number four. Kit Good. Oh. Nicely done.
1: That's pretty that good. Kit-Kat that's pretty good. Four. I do like a good Kit Kat. Yeah, Kit Kats Kit-Kat. are good. Kit Kats Kit-Kat. are good.
0: Yeah. Okay, Dr. Minor and Inovera, it's over to you. I'm just gonna give you one minute.
2: Okay, I I feel like, are they all going to be chocolate?
1: There probably are. The top ones are. I bet if we pick Smarties, we'll be down the list. Yeah. (laughs) But I'd still be willing to pick Smarties.
2: Yeah, I love Smarties. Like, they're so good. Um, Maybe
1: maybe there's a bunch of people out there like you. Yeah.
2: Let's hope not for the sake of the sanctity of the world. But as far as candy selections go, um... (laughs) Let's see. Do people like Snickers? <laughs> I think people do. Snickers or like Twix or
1: that's right, or like a, a hundred grand or a baby. Oh, I love those,
2: but no one else does. That's why that's the thing. That's the
1: thing. Four
2: seconds. <laughs> um, Snickers.
0: <laughs> Survey says number 5 snickers uh, oh
2: very nice
1: okay not bad i love snickers
0: personally that's my go to
2: i hate peanut butter that's my thing
1: okay okay i don't think the world's with you on that one
2: yeah that's fair
0: <laughs> when i was a kid i remember there was this house that actually gave out king size snickers Ooh. it was like the jackpot when you were a kid king size
2: heck yeah this
0: is back in the days of good economy and, and yeah tech boom i was about
2: to say they probably wiped dollar general out
0: yeah. <laughs> a good king size snickers is expensive man yeah afford that? i don't know okay daniel and catherine you guys are
1: up
3: i think m&m's is high
2: ooh
1: ooh E-nut? Those. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. there's so many peanut. kinds.
3: So I, many ms Regular oh. M&Ms.
1: No, well, okay.
5: So that's a good guess. But you see, that's why I was hesitant about saying M&Ms. Because there are such a variety. I think peanut M&Ms would be above regular M&Ms. So oh. if they're both on the list,
0: then peanut M&Ms. But I personally would take iron? peanut M&Ms over regular M&Ms. But that's just me.
3: <laughs> I, I like regular M&Ms. But maybe that's also... Nuts aren't very nice to me, so that mm-hmm. might also be it.
2: That's completely fair.
3: I'm also thinking, of, oh, I was going to say. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, Avera. Go, <laughs>
2: <ahead. laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Just to help you guys out. I'm just I, saying there's a lot of people out there allergic to peanuts. So That's true. Yeah.
1: But Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups is number one. That's true.
2: Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I just tried to I, sabotage I, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> that was
1: good.
0: That was good. It's like asking I, I, do you like, straight up chocolate, or do you like chocolate with stuff in it? You know? yeah. yeah. And I, I like chocolate with stuff in it. Yeah. I think he's
1: trying to steer them. I don't think this is fair judging. No, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think we should um,
5: take the hint and go with peanut uh,
4: yeah. m Peanut M&M's. Okay. Pe-
0: peanut M&Ms. I, I'm not hinting. I'm just giving my own thoughts.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see I slipped him is. a five before this. Yeah. Totally <laughs> what
0: was Peanut M Ms is number eleven. Oh, wow, really? Number eleven.
3: Okay. So, so
5: I, what's between?
0: You're still in there. <laughs> one and.
3: Are we trying four. to get all twenty of these? No, no, no I, We'll
0: only have a certain number
3: of rounds. And then okay. Right okay. <laughs> yeah. score,
0: I probably. know I'm the perfect.
1: Of Avera, what do you think about Reese's Pieces?
2: See, I was gonna. I'm curious about Reese's. Since Reese's,
1: Reese's was number one, Reese's Pieces are good too. I wonder yeah, if people I'm like those. I'm also
2: curious to see which one regular M Ms is now.
1: That's true too.
2: I'm also curious about Skittles.
1: Oh, Skittles are fantastic. Starburst, Starburst, so, ooh, Skittles, Starburst, taste yeah. Rainbow.
2: I feel those are more like Easter candy, though. Like the fruitier stuff, I feel like it's more Easter oriented. Is that just? Yeah. Me?
1: I don't know. There's got to be some fruity up there, maybe, yeah. or is it all chocolate? Like you? Let's
2: try Skittles.
1: Or let's do it, Skittles. Let's Berk. try
2: Skittles. Skittles.
1: Just barely
0: coming in at number nineteen. <laughs> Oh,
2: (laughs) wow.
0: That means there's an opening. If uh, if Catherine and Daniel can hit one of the high marks, you know, they're back in the game.
1: All they have to do is take our Reese's Pieces idea. (laughs) (laughs) The deliberations are supposed to be are supposed to be anonymous here. Yeah, Yeah. we have all the good ideas.
2: (laughs) We're just playing ourselves. We are. (laughs)
0: All right, Daniel and Catherine, you can get back in the game with a high choice here.
5: Okay, so since they said Skittles, and Skittles is more like the fruity thing, and it came in at number 19, but then I don't know by that same logic how many fruity or tart um, flavors are going to come in above that.
3: I think chocolate's like, chocolate's the way to go.
5: But there is a part of me, though. There is a slight part of me. Like, you Mm -hmm. know that,
4: Mm -hmm.
5: you know that Mm -hmm. that candy... (laughs) There's a part of me that wants to say that candy that says uh, it's like the fun dip, you know what I'm talking about? Oh,
4: oh my! God. God.
5: There's a part of uh, me that thinks it's on there, but I don't.
3: I can't. I
5: follow I, that part.
1: I, I, follow
5: that but part. I, but I, but if you know, I don't necessarily know if I should. But I, you should. I, I should. wouldn't I should. be surprised if that was high up on the list. Actually, I
3: don't think it is.
5: Okay, <laughs> and you know what? Let's let's ditch that. And how about Butterfinger?
1: Ooh, Butterfinger's a good I was choice, thinking either yeah.
3: Butterfinger or Twix was going to be up there. Twix are
1: good, too. To but go the thing off.
3: is, like, Butterfingers and Twix are just, like, kind of... This might be controversial. They're kind of like discount snacks. What?
1: I agree. I agree. But,
3: you know... They're kind of... like the, of, the, of the lesser
1: forms of, of candy bars. They're you crunchy,
3: know? yeah.
1: They're, they're the AAA team. Free. They're um, good, yeah. but they're like AAA, you know? <laughs>
2: Yeah. I agree. At, I mean, I disagree at the level of like my fists in the air and uh, making picket signs, but I mean, that's fine.
4: So uh, where yeah. we go with, so? <laughs>
5: We're running out of time. Let's
3: okay. Wait. Yeah. We are running out of time. Um, should we revisit regular MMs?
5: You should. No, I think we should go with Twix.
3: Okay. Twix. Okay. Twix.
0: You're landing on Twix? After all of that,
1: you went from. <laughs> Stop coaching them, man. They Fun picked day.
3: Twix. Fundip is not on the list. It's <laughs> fine.
1: You are
0: lucky that you picked that one because Fundip was 63.
4: <laughs> exactly. <Twix>. Oh, wow. <laughs> is,
0: <laughs> Twix is number three, folks. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Nice.
4: Wow. That's okay. Right.
2: Nicely done. Woo. All right. All
0: right. <laughs> All
1: right, so if okay, one we're, is we're going to give
0: this one more round, and you want to know oh, yeah. what the score is currently, we put a, we should put some suspense into this. We Boom. have a
1: higher score than they do.
3: Well, yeah, because you got ones that are lower down. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind right of, now. Doctor
0: Minor and Avera are coming in at thirty eight points, and I'm doing it by. If you pick number one, you get twenty points. If you pick number two, uh,
1: got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. So we're at, th- you're
0: at thirty eight, and then I'll do Catherine. And
2: I'm stressed out now.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, we're not
0: doing very well. Forty one.
2: Woo! 41.
0: Let's go. One. So we're wow. at the last round
1: here.
2: Oh my word! All I'm
0: right,
1: all right. So number, number one was Reese's Pieces, three is Twix, five is Snickers, four is whatever they picked first, which was chocolate. Number
2: one is Reese's, the peanut butter cups.
1: The peanut butter cups, yeah. yeah. And then every other one in the top five is a candy bar.
2: I see.
1: So like what other candy bar could we try? Milky Way? Yeah, Milky yeah, Way? Yeah, cool. I don't like Milky Ways. Yeah, but I like maybe them, other people but do. I wouldn't,
2: I wouldn't suspect that they're high up on the list either.
1: I wouldn't either. Um, what candy t- 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 Dr.
2: face is just <laughs> not helping.
1: I know.
4: <laughs>
0: and I've decided to make weird faces no matter what you say.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, so they're candy bars other than the peanut butter cups.
1: Yeah, which is kind of candy bar-esque, yeah. right? It's chocolate right. around something.
2: Right. Um, yeah. Let's, let's see. Uh, do we want to do regular M&M's?
1: It's not going to be at the top. It'll be mid-range. That's my best guess for M&M's, mid-range. Okay.
2: What is the other in the top five, man? Like,
1: it's only number two, right after Reese's peanut butter cups. What if it's Reese's pieces? Because people love yeah. Reese's, but it's not Reese's. a candy bar. It's it not a candy Reese's.
2: bar. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should go with a candy bar. Okay. Uh, Let's do it.
1: What candy bar? What's left? What if Milky Way? Milky Way, 100 grand. Um, baby 100 Ruth and Hunter hundred grand. grand aren't going to be there.
2: Yeah. Hunter hundred grand. is not going to be up there. Um, I'm trying to think.
1: We, we, we Twix
2: is out, right?
1: Twix is out. Kit Kat's mm-hmm. out. Those are all the other top five Twix, Kit Kat, Reese's pieces, Snickers. I bet it's seconds. Milky way. Milky okay. way. It's all the right, only other really one. well-known one, unless yeah. we're forgetting something.
2: Let's do that one.
1: All right. Milky way. Milky way. On Milky way.
0: Number seven with Milky Way. Oh, not, 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 not bad. Not bad. Not bad.
2: Number not bad. seven.
1: Not bad. Number four still, two is still there, though. Number two yeah. is still there.
2: still there. It
1: better not be freaking Reese's Pieces.
2: <laughs>
1: or regular m <M&Ms>. and <laughs> Or regular m <M&Ms>. yeah.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: All right,
0: which means... Mm. What do you think?
1: Smarties. I'm
0: going to do the math
4: <laughs> So Dr. Martin
0: have 52 points. Catherine and Daniel, you have 41. So to tie, you need 11 points. To win, you need 12, which means you've got to get...
1: Nine or above. Right? Number nine if or t- above. If you
0: get number 10, then you tie. And if you get nine or above, you
1: win. Yeah.
3: Okay. There's a lot raining on this.
1: There's not a lot above that, yeah. <laughs> okay, so
3: are we sure about playing M and M's?
1: <laughs> that's
5: that's what I'm thinking. I was thinking if we wanted to be safe, we could maybe go M and M's. But I kind of
1: agree that they might be mid-range. So well, you're going mid-range though.
5: Yeah, but you see, if if we're all five he's by trying one, to sway you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: That they're in the top ten. I genuinely.
5: You you really think they're in the top ten?
3: I genuinely believe that they are in the top ten. Like, because mm. it, it has to be something chocolate. There is no way if Skittles is all the way down there. There's that's no way. Right. There's that's right. That's very true. chocolate. It's
1: true. Fruits it's like, out. Fruits out. What yeah. what about like what about just like a regular Hershey's bar? No, everyone oh, hates my those. Word.
2: I can't believe I didn't think about that. Like, think about Hershey think bars. bar,
5: especially. Like,
2: crunch
3: bar?
5: Crunch, crunch bar. I
2: didn't
3: even think of that.
5: But I'm not going to listen to Dr.
0: Minor. I think we should go with regular
5: m
3: ms I, I think we're going to go with regular m ms yeah.
0: Man, it all comes back to those m ms finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to know. down to this. Let's see. Regular m ms <laughs> Our number fifteen, <laughs> Doctor Minard and Nevera win. What?
1: <laughs> no, all right, tell me where Reese's pieces are. Yeah,
0: Reese's pieces <laughs> was number six.
3: Oh,
0: oh, oh! Yes. <laughs> <No> way. <laughs> oh, Vera is jumping. Wait!
4: Wait! Right wait now.
5: Why didn't we guess that? Why? Because Reese piece, pieces are just better M and M's.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I told you. I tried why to tell you that, this.
0: Why, why didn't we think
5: oh. about
4: that?
0: Oh All right. God. What's number two?
4: Yeah. You're yeah. not gonna be.
0: You're not gonna be happy about number two because it's a variation on number one. It's Reese's Miniatures is number oh.
1: two. Come on. No oh. one's gonna guess that. I thought it was a soon. Those are just Reese's pieces.
2: Yeah. (laughs) my gosh. I cannot believe
3: that. That's. Wow. I'm so sorry. I led you astray, Daniel.
5: (laughs) No, no, no. No, I mean. That's fine. That's fine. I I can.
0: I can endure my sufferings.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Congratulations
0: to our winners. You get full gloating rights.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Every time we play one of these games, I win.
0: Yeah. At the yeah. end of the
1: podcast. I'm pretty good at this.
0: It's always <laughs> to, it's, it's always great. good to be on your team.
1: I need to take up a second career as like a game show participant yes. or something. I need
2: to remember that next time Dr. Pedraza is picking teams. I'm gonna call Dr. Minor next time.
4: Put them yeah. okay. a five, you know, like yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <a little fiver>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, folks, on that note, we wish you a happy Eve of All Saints, an even happier All Saints Day, a poignant and penitential and prayerful feast of all souls. And thanks for joining us on the Dunces Corner. You can always find us on Instagram at the Dunces Corner, on Twitter at DuncePod, or you can email us at duncepod at gmail.com. And we will see you all next time. Peace. You got homework to do.
2: Hour and 30 minute cram session. Let's see if I can do it.
4: Yeah, you don't have much time. (laughs) Let's see if I can
2: do it.